Welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast, Episode 10, All Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Keyonce. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. What's up, what's up? It's your girl, Kiyonce. How's everybody doing? Um, I am a tarot reader, black spiritualist, spiritual life and business coach, cultural sociologist, and self-described cosmonaut based in New Orleans. Um, and so today's show is entitled All Black Lives Matters because we about to go in. <laughs> um, I really like one of my passions is like sociology like I don't know if a lot of people don't know this I don't think but I went to University of Michigan for sociology have a master's degree in it um and I have been waiting for this moment to happen for uh, like these kinds of conversations to be going on because I think it's this is a very fruitful time in which we can talk about the historic oppression of black people and really give people a heightened awareness of the like kind of inertia that has been behind the the white supremacist fascist state so today we about to just go in a little bit we're gonna talk a little bit about um we're gonna talk a little bit about the history um i'm gonna talk about why reparations are important for black people i'm gonna talk about um state-sanctioned violence and um, our perceptions of that. Of course, you know, I'm a, I'm a skeptic. I'm a Capricorn stellium. You know, I got more than five. I got like five planets in Capricorn. I got six, um, six zodiac signs in Saturn on my zodiac chart. So I'm, I'm a skeptic, you know. So I got I to gotta, I gotta talk like a skeptic. You know, I got to let y'all know what's up, what I'm thinking. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about sustainable activism. I'm a, this... What I'm going to also be talking about is spirituality and its importance for black people. So specifically, I'm speaking to um, my black peoples with um, this black spirituality part and why it's important and why it's revolutionary for us to be in tune with our ancestors and and in tune with our um, own goddessness, godliness, whatever, um, in the face of this type of oppression that has been going on. So I also got me a little drink here. So if you hear me gulping a little bit, you know, it's because I got me a drink together. You know, I'd be liking, I like my mango peach juice with a little gin. You know, I get my organic gin. Uh, (laughs) You know, I get my artisanal gin. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... All right, so let's just jump in. Lord Jesus, this past two weeks has been very rocky. I'm just going to go through a little timeline of just what I've been experiencing. So um, that Monday, the Monday of Labor Day, what, what day was that? Let me see. So this was Monday the... I think this was like the 25th. Um, 
I believe that's the 25th, yeah. Dang, it's been a while. But yeah, that May 25th, uh, I went to sleep. And I didn't really have particularly a lot of stuff that was new that I needed to do the next day. But I woke up at like 2 o'clock in the morning, um, Monday night, Tuesday morning, just like in a, I was having like a like series of panic attacks and I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. I took like a ride, like I was doing everything. I took like a spiritual bath, but I just had this, this sense of panic that I've like never experienced really in my life. And I feel like it was definitely the waves of, um, everything that's been going on, um, lately. I feel like there was just a switch in the energy. I don't know if it was a p vortex to open up or a portal. There's a lot going on astrologically. Y'all know Pluto in retrograde, but there is just a, I woke up and I just, in my stomach, I was just so anxious. And so, um, I was just figuring, I don't know. And then I also heard this buzzing in my ears, like this ringing in my ears. And I've always, I've had sinus issues for a while and stuff, but I'm like, was this just a change in the pressure? Literally this kind of like, um, this upwelling of energy that has been going on. And I know a lot of other spiritual people have been in tune with it and feeling it, um, specifically just 2020 has been a very interesting year. I don't know. This is, this year is has a lot of Cali energy destroyer. This is a this is a reset for the masses. But um yeah, I do I want to take time to um you know talk about um George Floyd and then also Brianna Taylor. And I also wanted to specifically focus on the experiences of black trans people in general in the past week, for instance, um Rhea Milton in Ohio and Dominique Fells in Pennsylvania were killed. Um, but a lot of times we don't see a lot of media representation of those types of deaths. And a lot of times, even when we do, they do center around um, black trans women, but we don't see a lot about um, the deaths of black trans men. For instance, Tony McCabe um, was a black trans man who was shot by the police. And so I'm bringing this up just because there is a lot of beautiful potential energy that is going on right now. Um, but I do really want to kind of just like send out a message from the spirits that we need to really look back at our ancestors and really learn from what they did and you know look learn from what they did right learn from what they did that didn't work out and so that's why i'm really talking about um all black lives matters right now is because um i have seen a lot of reports like in the news and so well no, you know on social media and stuff like that where people are like oh my god well why are people bringing up like black trans lives like y'all are like swaying the movement um why are you bringing up the violence against lgbtq people we need to be like united and stuff like that and a lot of people be acting ahistoric and they be acting like they don't understand that intersectionality is actually a thing and there are black lgbtq people and also we to be quite frank for the 
all of hum- humanity's existence have been the gatekeepers of the spiritual world and the visionaries. So it's like, y'all need to be thanking us. Because especially in the movements, I want to lift up Marsha P. Johnson. And I want to just thank all of the black LGBTQ ancestors who have inspired so many movements across the world. And then also in the civil rights movements, there are a lot of LGBTQ people. There are a lot of lesbian and gay people. I don't really know too much about like how open people were back then with like being trans and stuff like that. But the civil rights movement, that is what spurred the whole revolution of the 1968 and the 60s. So I think it's important that we understand that this resistance, Black Lives Matters, for me, it's a cosmic kind of thing. It's a cosmic ethic thing, which I'm going to talk about later. But this is a resistance against state-sanctioned violence that has affected all of us. And that's kind of what I unite with others in, in terms of like in struggle, because I don't think people really understand the extent that hyper-capitalism and Western politics um, has created multiple types of levers, multiple types of mechanisms to oppress uh, black people. And so I want to talk a little bit about the state-sanctioned violence versus other types of violence and why it's important to understand the difference and to understand a lot of discrepancies in the way that people understand quote-unquote legitimate uses of violence. So first off, I want to say I don't really believe in calling what is happening um, in cities. I don't like the word riot because riots kind of just infer that there isn't a cause for the uprising. I mean, you, I mean, I wasn't out there breaking no windows and stuff. You know, I'm, I, you know, I've been doing other types of work, you know, I've been donating and, you know, I've been doing my part, period. I mean, I've been doing my part, period, since I was born, but I am not going to sit here and call that a riot because a riot implies that it was, that these events are, they don't have any type of history to them, um, which that is a lie. Um, I more like to call them like uprisings and resistances um, just because they or revolts because I mean naming is very important especially whenever we are talking about history and so I don't really like saying riots because that kind of puts a lot of the blame on the people who have been most affected by the state sanctioned violence for since the inception of the United States. And so state-sanctioned violence is violence that is upheld by the law. It's violence that is upheld by political institutions, by economic institutions, by social institutions. Mostly we think about the police, but if we think about this in a more critical manner, in a, in a critically sociological manner, 
we can see how the oppression is in the laws. So think about the laws um, during enslavement. Also, I don't believe in calling us slaves. <laughs> it was enslavement. During enslavement, there were laws that made it so that black people were not considered a whole person. Just going to let that sit in for a little bit. Three-fourths. Which, I mean, you can argue, how do you quantify a person's being? But, um, yeah, three-fourths of a person. So that, just to break it down, that meant not being able to own yourself. It, It basically... I mean, the other quarter was the commodity. I would say the whole bodies were commodities, but it's important to understand like how these laws um, affect states, how these laws enact state-sanctioned violence. So the three-fourths law, that basically, and also think about religious law. Think about the way that they use this kind of like this religious law to enforce um, oppression and slavery onto black people they used religious justification as in like i took actually took this course in college it was um i did latin american studies in college but it was this course on um witches and shaman and and, um in latin america historically and it really talked about the perceptions of um alternative spirituality like spanish perceptions and a lot of people consider black people as being a part of the devil they consider black people as being very close to the devil and historically they view like indigenous people as being a little bit more like innocent but we was straight up the devil some dark demons and so that really influenced the ways that people thought felt felt like we deserved laws white 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 people uh also okay so state sanctioned violence also like vigilantism white vigilantism is also a form of state sanctioned violence because we see a lot of these people who perform these terrible acts of domestic terrorism they get off there's the courts favor them the system favor them favors them i mean there's quote unquote the use of objective evidence but we all know that in the courts the lawyer wins because they follow a certain legal procedure as far as constructing an argument and we all know it's bias so vigilantism is also a form of state sanctioned violence people you see police all the time go out they be in regular clothes they be off duty but then be shooting people what and then there also i just want to under people to understand it's not just the police the whole the there the history of the military political economic socioeconomic that is all violence so i just want to break i'm going to break it down into a few different categories think about the military Oh my god. <laughs> also, I need to bring this up. <sighs> Y'all know I live in New Orleans. Um, I just want to bring up Drew Brees <laughs> really quickly. I can, I'm like, I mean, okay, so I, I mean, I've never really been a big fan of football just because I think that is also one of the ways that um, 
violent Western capitalism continues. And also it's the way that it kind of like creates this common way for people to like be distracted from from the problematic things that are going on in the world. And we're not even going to talk about the, the ways that, you know, it's mostly black and how these people get injuries that affect them for a lifetime, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, Drew Brees got up on, sorry, I'm chewing some ice. Drew Brees got up on this interview um, and they asked him about like what was going on in the country. And then they asked him about Colin Kaepernick. And he was like, yeah, whenever people take a kneel, I just, you know, I think about my grandfather who died in the military. And I, I think about the, the people who sacrificed their lives. Um, and it's like as if black people were not in the military. My grandfather was actually in the military but whenever um, they got back over here, the black black people um, still did not have any rights. GI Bill was not really for us. When people got back with the GI Bill, they was like putting house payments down. That was whenever the economy, whenever industrialization really took off. Um, and... People were, this is when a lot of white people were building wealth. We was denied loans for houses, denied a lot of things systematically. So that's another mechanism. So let's think about politically, economic, socioeconomic. Politically, that's pretty easy to understand. Um, a lot of the political, the politics, I don't, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. To be honest, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like neither of them, they all, they both fit into, they both are violent. So let's say like with the Democrat, with Democrats, Republicans, I, I'm somewhat, I think we need to abolish the wars. I'm like, I also am here for, I'm here for fighting against global oppression people talk about Hillary I'm like do you know what she did to Latin America do you know period the Democrats and Republicans are still going to be paying dictatorships violent dictatorship they're going to be paying other quote-unquote leaders in other countries to advance the agenda of western capitalism and so this is something that happens all the time. This happened throughout Latin America in the 1980s, but the United States would basically put military force behind different political groups in different countries because they want to access their resources. So they had to work out a way. So they'd be going, they go over, they went to Nicaragua. I mean, y'all, I don't know if y'all know about the Sandistas, Sandinistas, um, but there's a then Mexico there's a really extensive history of the United States backing these groups to put them in power and the people basically could they develop the country so let's say develop <laughs> to where the people work in the oil industry and the mining industry and then they don't get paid as much as the people in power and then the people in power are trading with the United States and the United States is actually the ones that's winning 
And so it's like this quote unquote trickle down effect. It's not real. And it's not like they're actually developing the countries. This is a feature of the Democrat and the Republican Party. Like, so I think that's also something we need to understand whenever we're talking about state sanctioned violence. This is something that this is historic and there's so many mechanisms for it to be enforced um okay anyway drew Brees talking about that like i'm like bro people need to check themselves and people need to go read some books um another way that black people have been affected by laws if you look at the evolution of laws over time um Laws are law legal laws throughout history. Laws are different ways that governments are able to categorize people and assign certain rights. So if you're viewed as a certain kind of if you're viewed as a criminal, you don't have no rights. Throughout history, I mean it, it wasn't until really the nineteen hundreds and afterwards that being gay was even a category and that there was a there was a legal legality attached to that type of behavior so it's like before it was it was just like you know i don't know what they called it but once they called it gay it was like oh well this has a psychological component to it and then they pathologized um lgbtq people throughout history is the same thing with race and it's the same thing with black people throughout history i mean like we can look at sarah bartman we can look at, I don't even want to go down the list, but we can look at the ways that science even, this is another institution, the scientific community reinforcing that we are inferior in terms of our capacity for building civilization and for being quote unquote human and rational. Girl, get your ass out of here. So, people need to really understand that we, this is a, this isn't a fight. And this is, people need to, I think for all Black Lives Matters, we need to get it out of our heads, period. People need to understand that all Black Lives Matters. It's not, no one's distracting from anybody else's rights. Because in the end, this is all a struggle against state-sanctioned violence against people historically oppressed by western hypercapitalism white supremacist western supremacist <laughs> sorry white supremacist western capitalism this is specifically in the U- and specifically in the US but i mean this is also marx's theory marx was not perfect but one of the also one of the ways that we need to contextualize this in like an economic kind of way is to understand that this, okay, so in grad school, it really helped me understand Marx and this, the concept of alienation of labor. The alienation of labor, if we put that into the context of enslavement, alienation of labor is basically when you are working, but you're not really seeing the fruits, the full fruits of that labor. So alienation of alienation of labor is basically being like, all right, y'all hundred people, you go pick this cotton. 
I will pay you one cent. And then, so that's a hundred, so that's a dollar. So let's say y'all hundred people, I'm gonna pay you one cent for um, all of y'all for picking this cotton. So then I pay them a 100 cents in essence. And then let's say I go sell that cotton, all that cotton for $5. And I take the other part. I sell that cotton for five times the price to somebody else, to a, someone that can afford to buy it, a company, a clothing company or something like that. That's a very micro level um, example of alienation of labor. But if you think about this globally, literally we have whole countries. Think about India. Think about Asia. Um, I'm relating this to chattel enslavement. Um, but think about how unequal that is. And I'm going to go through some other examples because... Um, reparations is important but understand i think it's important to understand it's not we're not distract don't let identity politics get in the way um identity politics is basically whenever identity politics is the work of understanding how to represent yourself as a movement to advance certain socio-political rights and so this was a huge issue and in the history of the LGBTQ movement um, in terms of white gay men being like, you know, I know you're black and I know that y'all are like Latino and I know that you're Asian and I know that y'all are some of y'all are indigenous, but we need to concentrate on being gay. Like, so y'all can y'all like put your other identities to the side? Like, can you can you like not? be black today but be gay so that's kind of what it's like when you hear people being like don't talk about being lgbtq you know the gay people already got their rights i'm like wait so does me being gay or queer like automatically negate my rights or does that revoke my black card because last time i checked hey <laughs> um i be getting treated like i'm black so i don't really you know so that's kind of a message to my sisters and my brothers and my in between and outside the binary beings. All black lives matters. All black lives matter. Period. Period. On period. Like I said, we are the visionaries, the gatekeepers. We imagine futures that other people have not been able to imagine. The black LGBTQ community. So let's see, what else did I want to talk about? I also, I mean, let's talk about more about state-sanctioned violence. Um, let's talk about, I mean, I did in my last episode, let's talk about marijuana and the change in laws. We got over 2 million people locked up in prison. And a lot of those people are locked up for nonviolent crimes related to cannabis um, possession. So if the laws change, does that mean that the people, like if, if marijuana becomes legal in a state, does that mean that the person should be released from prison? 
And then also, how do you make up for that trauma that someone experiences in while being in prison? Hmm. I don't know. So this is where even thinking about the ways that laws affect our perceptions of people, people, we, we, a lot of times, I mean, I'm guilty of it. A lot of times have we view people who are quote unquote criminals as being subhuman, but we have to understand, but that is because we, our thoughts about that and perceptions have been shaped by our environment. And perceptions of criminals, quote unquote, is changing every day. Think about reefer madness in the nineteen, the uh, mid mid nineteen hundreds, when marijuana was illegal, and a lot of times they used black criminality to li- they linked black criminality, quote unquote, black criminality to marijuana use so they were like oh my god they're smoking weed and going and raping people white women um but now marijuana is legal and it's not so so such a taboo and you have people making a lot of money on it so this is just one mechanism (laughs) i could go on forever and ever i don't want to go on forever and ever about this but there is there also there are so many different types of mechanisms in this system in this matrix i need to take a little drink there are so many mechanisms in the matrix that it's it will make you dizzy it'll make you you get vertigo and it'll make you anxious because there's so many different mechanisms that's why it's important that mechanisms of oppression that's why it's important that you express yourself individually and you you do your own thing. You do what is uniquely you, but in service of raising the consciousness of humanity. And so that's the reason I think it's important that we, I really love that we are incorporating spirituality and our ancestors really into these types of movements, especially at the Black Lives Matters, Be Burning Sage and Palo Santo and stuff like that. I love that. Um, specifically for me, before I went public with reading tarot, I did like, I did, I mean, I didn't do as much activism in Chicago as um, much as activism as a lot of other people did, but I definitely did my fair share of um, social activism and community work in Chicago, especially as it relates to um, black LGBTQ people, uh, most notably, <laughs> This was back in, I think, this was like 2015. Um, This was before um, he, whose name we won't speak, (laughs) got elected. But um, I think this was, yeah, this was in 2015. Um, I was involved in a, a protest at Chicago Pride where we held up um, the pride parade for like 23 minutes. I will never forget that letter, that number. Um, but so we, they, there were some other people shout out to, um, BYP 100 and shout out to like all the other groups that, um, organized it. I just kind of like went to the meetings cause they, it was tight. 
So basically what we did was um, we met up and, you know, we were very covert about it. We left the cell phones in the car, you know, turn them off, don't have them around. Um, so the plan was basically the way that we executed it was we were with this church in the parade. And so, so there's a number of like churches that march in the Chicago Pride Parade. Um, and so we were kind of undercover with them and we had our like pride posters like, yeah, go pride, pink washing, absolute vodka. Yes. Yes. And so we started, I, I can't really remember the streets exactly, but I know that we, the protest happened on the action happened um, on Halstead. And so we actually did the protest in front of Hul- there's an intersection where there's a Whole Foods. Um, there's also a, um, an LGBTQ sexual health center, center on Halstead, that had a kind of a problematic um, reputation as far as its treatment of black and brown, um, trans and gender nonconforming people. And the, so there was a police station. There was that place and Whole Foods. This was the oof, this was the vortex of gentrified. Chicago, gentrified capitalism. Like, can we talk about state-sanctioned violence? Let, let's talk about alienation of labor and Whole Foods. Who they got working? They had people. They had people in prison doing work for them. They, we ain't. We all already know about the police. And then Senator Hall said people can't even go get theirs because people like they getting kicked out because they racist over there. They racist. But anyway, so. Girl, I was nervous. I was, mm. but so the plan was. So this is how it went. So we were walking. We had to walk for like at least an hour, and everyone there was just this energy, like because we didn't know what was gonna happen. They could have come up to us and just beat the hell out of us with batons. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm a black man. You know what I mean? Like, and dark. So. I think this was a this was really cool because we had like allies and so specifically the white allies were gonna encircle us. Well, I guess I may as well speak in present tense. Um the white allies encircled the black people, black LGBTQ people. Um, and then we had shout out to Nikkei. Uh, we had someone on a megaphone, a black um gender nonconforming person who was saying our the demands that we what we demanded which was basically a trauma center on the south side um south side is historically black rich culture that's where house music originated (laughs) get it right guys but um demanding basically rights demanding rights that related to not being so oppressed by state-sanctioned violence, so a trauma center, um, a sexual health center. Um, there is stuff about like creating more equality in the ways that police enforced laws, because a lot of times, like um, black and brown trans women specifically would get picked up by the police officers that they had like a knife. But it's like, girl, I'm out here on the street. I need to protect myself. It's not like they're just going in the CVS trying to chop people up. So, girl, but let me tell you about before we got up to 
the intersection, girl. I that was a I like okay so, literally you know it's police everywhere at Pride. That's why I don't be liking to go, cause I already get nervous enough. I don't need to go to Pride just so I can be policed and so I can be paranoid as hell for the whole time. I'm, I'm trying to get in my vibe, you know. I'm trying to get in my bag, you know. <laughs> okay, so, um, girl. It was there's just this energy with everybody. I just remember looking at everybody like, and mind you, the people who were leading the movement were black LGBTQ people. There were some like people there um, who were hetero identified, but there were we was representing. Everyone was just looking around like, Lord Jesus, like let us be okay. And we had some like chants that we were doing, and this is where the song really comes in as being important for getting you on that level um it's an it's a level it's a transcendent level it's like you don't really care what happens because you are there acting um from a your your actions are greater than you in that moment because there's the mission is it's like the mission is global we trying to liberate the whole black diaspora period so, oh my God, I was nervous, but then we, uh, there, cause there was like a line of police at that intersection. It was like, you know, the police station is right there. So we started saying it and then people were here for it for a little bit. But then after five minutes, cause we weren't moving and imagine being in this for 23 minutes. That felt like, that felt like 23 times of what eternity would feel like. <laughs> I would just keep it real, girl. <sighs> But um, we did that. We did did we did our saying, and we were just like chanting. And after about five or ten minutes, like people kind of got impatient. We were talking about like ableism and stuff like that. And there, people were like, "Get the fuck off this! Let let us go! We want to enjoy pride!" And we were like, "Oh, okay." So once we start talking about Black Lives Matters and all the different types of Black Lives that matter, um, y'all don't really care. And then it was like black people there too. It was brown people. We were talking about brown people too, but it centered around black people. And also, mind you, we were dressed in all black. I had my black shades on. I had my high top fade. Girl, <laughs> we were like, <sighs> I don't know, man. So we did that. And then some people got arrested um because that's the only way they could break us up and then so we had a plan of how to get through and so the white people actually formed like um they like broke the crowd for the black people and we like went through them and so then after that I went um I went with um this person actually um that that is really I think I forgot who did I go with it doesn't matter I anyway so a team of us basically went and did social media after that and stuff like that. But that experience, I was like, I just, whenever we were going, we had to go and wait for our friends to get out of the jail, you know, because they needed bail. Um, by the way, definitely donate to some bail funds if you can, because people can only use cash to get bailed out of jail. So that's the reason, like, a lot of people, like, get messed up. Because it's like, if you can't pay bail, then you might have to just sit up in the jail. And then you don't really know what kind of jail you in. It's different, you know, I mean period prison is horrible but it's like what if you up in mississippi and you're doing some activist work for black lives matters and you get locked up but can't pay your cash bail 
they gonna take you to the um to the to the other place where you're gonna be held before your trial so you gotta pay the bail um so that's why it's important so we went and waited and stuff and man that was oh that feeling was just like I was like high the whole day, just like on the emotion. And then after that, <clears throat> I actually went to some workshops, like like some full day workshops on just like activism. And, and then that's kind of how I discovered healing work because to be honest, like whenever um, he who must not be named got elected, I just like kind of, I just said, I don't know what, oof, that was just tough. I don't really, I don't know, I just that was whenever I was like, wow, this is truly a dystopia. Like, this this is the Matrix for real. Like, I was like, wow, okay. Whew. Um, so that is whenever I started finding more community that was centered around, like, healing. I also, I went, 2016 was rough. I went through a lot of financial hardship. And that caused me to... um also consider being like public with my tarot readings and stuff because I uh, I had been doing tarot for about like at that point I had been doing tarot for like 10 years studying it like pretty hardcore and stuff like that but um that is when I start doing tarot and stuff because I was like I need to find a type of activism that is sustainable for me because I'm an empath and like I would just like absorb all the energy from the whole crowd and be like messed up for the whole week afterwards. And then I did honestly, like a lot, there were a lot of people who were involved in activism um, in Chicago at that time, but a lot of people suffered from mental health issues. Um, Specifically, I had to quit partying so much because I was out all the time. And then I was like, dang, I was just like, my energy was just off. And so that's why it's important, I think, for black people, especially that we we create our own rituals to fight the against the ritual of white supremacy and hyper-capitalism of basically killing us. So that's why it's important. Like, could you imagine, like, our ancestors depended on spirituality period that's it that's the only thing that they had it's like how can you imagine like if you think if you honor yourself as a child of the goddess like i said earlier then how is somebody going to tell you that you're not that important that's what santeria um santeria voldun um Balo, like this is it's called syncretism but this these our black people black ancestors infused our spirituality into the type of religious institution that they were trying to basically put us into to influence our spiritual beliefs but they couldn't dim our spirituality specifically in, in the united states i'm going to talk about the united states because the united states was very different from Latin America in a lot of different Latin American countries um, the laws this is where legality comes into play and why it's important to understand the laws and how they affected black people throughout history 
in like the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, black people were not allowed to to dance. Black people were not allowed to gather in groups and celebrate and dance because we was just, when we got together we was dancing they was like what especially down here in mississippi they was like what are they doing they saw us over there twerking because you know when we get together everybody they be looking like what they doing over there we be like hey uh, hey, hey. <laughs> Oh my god, I love being black. But uh, I don't know why I'm like laughing right now. Like, but um, <coughs> but it's important to understand in Latin America, they, the quote unquote, the people who were enslavers, they, and they, the laws of the towns um, allowed black people to gather and to do our ritual and so understand y'all already know look at gospel music a lot of our spirituality is through music and song it's like art we have to we are an artistic people and so everything is spiritual for us but we do a lot of it like i mean through dance i i definitely transmute energy and like influence my own external force field um through movement and when you understand that on a metaphysical level, that's what our ancestors understood. Like, our ancestors, when they, like, I mean, also, Africans did sell black people, but they were selling the priestesses. We, we were skilled. Our ancestors that came over here, that were transported over here during the transatlantic slave trade, were skilled people, not only at building, but spirituality, astronomy, astrology all that so it's important to understand why that connection to the dance and to the artistic connection is important but in here in the united states except for new orleans um if you ever visit new orleans um where i live there is Congo Square and Congo Square. The reason New Orleans is so black and known for being so spiritual and so like, I mean, uh, Southern country, Southern people, like I'm from Mississippi and people just view New Orleans as being like the devil. <laughs> but the reason hoodoo is so popular here and voodoo is because Congo Square was somewhere. The, so the French enslavers, French terrorists were more lenient with the black people in New Orleans. And so we went to Congo Square, you know, every Sunday, got our got it in, you know, danced, did our ritual and stuff like that. If you ever visit Congo Square, go look at it. It has like all these like different kinds of circles, which is a, basically like a fractal cosmo, cosmogramic representation of the universe. The circles very important. Fractals are very important. Google them. I'm not going to talk about those right now. That's another show. But... Congo Square was somewhere where we could go and just kind of like do our thing. Whereas, like, if you think about Mississippi, when I, where I grew up, it was strictly Christianity, but there was still a lot of like hoodoo elements. But we did the naming was different, and then we did it more through the gospel music because the gospel music has a lot of elements that are um, West African um, rap music, griots, 
that is has roots in West Africa. Tw- gyrating, twerking, booty popping. Um, so we basically during the transatlantic slave trade had to and transatlantic trade of enslaved people we had to innovate and so can you imagine just imagine living on a beautiful coast the the west africa but then you got shamans and healers and psychics mediums being like y'all it's some shit about to happen um because that's how the all the mediums were with covid with the george floyd this stuff i know they were like look it's something about to happen and can you imagine being taken from your family and packed onto a ship like i, I forgot how many people they would fit on um a ship but literally Okay, so if you sit on the floor and put your knees up to your chin, that's how they had to sit for months. And they couldn't go to the bathroom. People were dying around them. People were getting sick from the germs, the smell. And then you get over here and you're getting whipped, people getting raped. separated from your family tell you that you can't speak your native tongue you're with all these other people black people yeah but people who don't speak the same language because on the transatlantic slave enslavement trade of enslaved people there are a lot of different tribes who didn't speak the same language and then also there were black people over here before Christopher Columbus came over here. So we was already over here, period. So, I mean, <laughs> like Mississippi had a lot of black Indians. I want to do my, my ancestry, but I, I think I'm, I think definitely think I'm like a descendant of black Indians just based on the stories of my grandmother and like ancestors and stuff like that. But um, also, I think that's where the spirit come through the medium shit but um yeah it's important to understand the ways these laws affected us and a lot of people don't understand that so just to recap we just talked a lot about state sanctioned violence for nearly 50 minutes Uh, we talked about why all black lives matter um And so now I kind of just want to talk a little bit about reparations. Like, why are reparations important? Because I think people just be thinking black people be being petty. Like, oh, they just be insensitive. They're always complaining about something. But let's let's just put this into some historical context here. Now, let's give it let's give it some historic historicity so that y'all can know what is truly happening what has truly happened and the oppression that we have truly experienced throughout history. So let's, that's my Mississippi accent coming out, but let's really get it together and talk about, talk about all of this. Cause, cause I'm tired. See, I'm getting tired of your shit. I'm getting tired 
of people acting like I'm just being petty. So again, like I'm trying to take advantage of this wave because I don't know what kind of wave is what it is. I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. Before I get into reparations, though, also I want to talk about a little bit about I don't know what this is. I'm a skeptic. Like I said, I don't. So I think it's important for my black peoples out there. It's important that we take advantage of this moment to amplify the message that all black lives matters. But I don't know. I really don't have a lot of faith in the system. I think that me doing my spiritual work and doing work that is a lot in alignment with my higher self's mission for my incarnation into this reality. That's what I'm doing. And if that involves being a constantly being um, an advocate, well, more than an advocate, an activist, a warrior for black lives. Well, then that's just how it's going to be. But don't think for a second that I think everything has changed because there's too many people have popping on this bandwagon. Now, let's be real. Literally, four, five hundred years, it's been real for black people. But then y'all just now, like literally people were get fighting about Black Lives Matters a few years ago. But then Netflix got a collection up. All the presidents of the universities and colleges sending messages out. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. All the celebrities. We just want to say we, we sorry. We want to... This is why people, we want to say that we sorry for everything that happened. I'm sorry. And we sitting here like, dang. Now? What's different about now? Is it COVID? I don't know. I don't, I, I <laughs> yo no sé, no sé, ni idea. Pero, I don't know. So that's the reason I'm kind of like, y'all know I already, I'm a cyber witch, period. I'm going to upload that episode, um, but I it's on YouTube, but I'm a cyber witch. I'm a, I, I live my life like it's an Octavia Butler novel. I stay in connection with my ancestors because they keep me programmed and attuned to the right frequency. They let me know when danger is coming. Because can I tell you, that's another reason hoodoo is important. Y'all need to black people, especially if y'all ain't got no mojo bags and you live in somewhere that is very, it don't even matter if you live somewhere that's quote unquote liberal. Y'all need to be carrying around some kind of protection. Get some kind of spiritual protection, period. Because y'all can't be just be out here without the covering of the blood of Jesus. Honda diabosha shabota. Should have bought a Honda. Mitsubishi Samurai. Wait. Subaru (laughs) Lord But get your spiritual protection together Because I can't tell y'all How many times Spirit literally I know Has been there I hear a voice Turn here Cause I, I grew up in Rural Mississippi Like look up Tupelo Mississippi On the map It's an hour outside of Memphis Tennessee I grew up 
in very close proximity to the KKK. I grew up with a neighbor. There's a neighborhood close to my grandma's house where I used to get off the bus and it was across the railroad tracks and black people didn't live there for many years until after the 2000s because their houses would get burned down. Yep. Um, so <clears throat> also there was rumors about some of my teachers being the KKK. I mean, I have been called nigger a whole lot. Like I went through a lot of shit and I'm just kind of like, Lord, how did I even make it through that? Cause also I wasn't really nobody that would just like, you know, be like, Oh my God, like don't make fun of me. I was like, if people said something, I'd be like, and okay and what so what's good what's good come say it to my face and then i like i was a, if you want to say something about me say it but best and if you want to fight me and if you want to come for me best believe i'm gonna come for your neck too that's a, <laughs> that's that black queer fierceness but for me to also have been so kind of temperamental, because I'm not even going to front you, girl. i always been a hot girl, period. A hot temperamental girl. But um, for nothing that happened, I don't know. I feel like that was Papa Legba issue at Legua. That was just some... I have also... I mean, I've had incidents happen recently where I'm like, oof. Thank you. Because I know spirit, spirit just be looking out. So that's the reason I'm saying for black people, especially, we can't really trust the system. I mean, I know that people, everyone's saying Black Lives Matters and stuff like that. But if you look at history, it's been a lot of disappointments. This has, it's, it's, a, it's a cycle. You gotta, you gotta understand revolution as cyclical. Look at how many revolutions, quote unquote, revolutions Latin America had. Also, he, events in history are, are circular. They always repeat themselves. So this is just another iteration of some stuff that's happened in the past. And we'll see how the Matrix puts the wool over our eyes this time. But it's important to have that spiritual element. Because without the spiritual element, you don't have no meaning. Because if you're, if you're doing work like this for the acceptance of white people, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> I don't really, I like, racism's never gonna, like, truly go away like that. We just out here asking for rights. Not asking, demanding. We out here, we out here demanding reparations. I mean, you can stay over there, because we good over here. We, got, we gonna just electric slide to ourselves. You know, we got the cookout, we holding it down. You know, and if you want to be an ally, cool. <clears throat> but you got to stay in your place. Because when you come to the cookout, it's the, you, you in our territory. So it's important to think about that. You know what I mean? And I also wanted to bring up <clears throat> the importance of community. Um, I was... I wanted to talk about this interview that I watched of um, Ruby Nail Sells. Um, it was an interview of her um, at the Harvard Divinity School, and she was just talking about um, the spiritual aspects of um, black rights activism. And it was amazing. 
but she really talked about the importance of um not only being connected to um your spiritual self but being connected to your culture and she talked about the counterculture that that our black ancestors created so during we've always had our own counterculture and there is revolution in that and I mean, I'm not saying hashtags are not the answer to activism, but I always say hashtag Black Joy Matters because in these moments, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what is happening, we can always find Black Joy amongst ourselves and even with and even within ourselves individually. Because I'm a pretty I'm pretty introverted, but we need to understand like also spirituality is a part of Black Joy. So, period. It's in our melanin. So that's why it's important, I think, to embrace black spirituality. And honestly, black spirituality is whatever you want it to be. As long as you are someone that is having the black experience. Like for me, if I want, I want to practice shamanism buddhism learn about hermetic kabbalah learn about quantum physics and astrology and as soon as that that, and and that culminates into my specific viewpoint as kiyonce look at me i'm black and queer and southern so that is a part of black spirituality i am of the black experience and everyone's spirituality comes from a multitude of um, different experiences. So that's why I think it's important, especially for black people to really retreat into our spirituality. And if you are someone who is, has that kind of fire to be out in the streets, go do it, but make sure that you are protected See a spiritual worker who will protect you. Because whenever you be out in the streets, you need energy work to be done. Like, whenever we was out in them streets, <clears throat> and period, whenever I started doing my healing work, I was doing healing work, tarot readings and stuff like that at events for people who were in the, the activist community, like giving discounts and stuff like that. That was back when I was doing a lot of events in Chicago. I actually did over 30 in one year. But I would go and do tarot readings and stuff like that. And they were at these events that were specifically geared towards a type of social politic. You couldn't be on no bullshit walking up in there. So, yeah, it's important that if you're going to be out there in them streets, get you an obsidian crystal. You know what I mean? Get you some clearing, some crystals to clear your energy. Get you some crystals... To help with clarity of mind. You know. Meditate. Do a prayer. Before you go out there. Because you need spirit in these times. Because you're working against a whole system. You are you are an individual body. But you are connected to. You, you're connected to the signals. Of intergalactic. Intergalactic. Spirit. Spirit being. So it's like you need to connect into that. Also. Um, 
Ruby Nail Sales brought up an interesting quote. So she said, it's important to have hindsight, foresight, and metasight. Hindsight, foresight, and metasight. So you need to have hindsight. That's the reason I've been going back and looking at all these interviews. I watched some interviews from the 70s of um, Stokely Carmichael, of Angela Davis, Nikki Giovanni, um, Toni Morrison, because this this gives you the perspective, because it's important to understand the history of what has been going on because if you don't have the history if you're looking at everything from an ahistorical point of view then you ain't got the facts you're just living in a vacuum which is what a lot of people have been doing specifically a lot of white people huh but also a lot of people with hetero privilege i mean me too i have privileges living in the united states while other people don't i mean they live in nations that have been desecrated by the united states so i can wear some cheap clothing but it's important to have hindsight because otherwise you're living ahistorically and if you're living ahistorically you're just living with the blinders on because you don't want to see the full picture you're afraid to open the whole window so you just got half of it open so you can just walk by walk and not run into the wall But then you don't know it's a whole other world up above you. So also in terms of hindsight, I wanted to just go through the history of black disenfranchisement. Disenfranchisement means being excluded from social, political, and economic opportunities throughout history. So... Let's look at the lineage of black disenfranchisement. And I posted this on my Instagram. This is created by um, Joseph Oting. And so disenfranchisement. Oh, he got the definition up on here. Oh, this is ready. This is a great graphic. Oh, my God. Disenfranchisement is the deprivation of a right, privilege, or immunity to participate socially economically and or politically in a society i guess that's kind of what i said but um let me just go through this timeline there are not any years on here so we go from um african kingdoms i don't really like the word kingdom because it's kind of gender because it was you know it was women that was really leading things um who run the world girls <laughs> but okay so we go from african kingdoms to discovery quote-unquote discovery um of the riches of africa captivity and exploitation which began over in africa trafficking and enslavement so that is the route across the Atlantic Ocean. And so this was over 5,000 miles and it took over 20 days 
That's like a month. It took a being a in an, a ship, a boat, for a month. Um. Mm 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 mm. Woof. This is heavy. Hundreds of Africans packed tightly in the tiers below decks and traveling for 5,000 miles. Could you imagine being in that for a month, not even knowing what was going on? Trafficking and slavery and lynching. So this is, I mean, lynching happened during slavery, enslavement. But lynching also after, so after enslavement there's the period called reconstruction when basically they was just trying to reconstruct everything to oppress us over again but let's have us quote unquote be free if i'm gonna keep it real with y'all but lynching was basically the killing of black people as a public display and so that's why hanging was so significant um listen to strange fruit um sometime for sure by Billie Holiday Strange Fruit um lynching was the public display and mind you I also grew up in Mississippi where lynching was a huge thing like and also I honestly think of these of the gore porn that is happening with spreading so many videos online I mean I think it's great that these are raising awareness and stuff like that but also having these videos like the George Floyd video which I did not watch it but I I was really messed up by the Eric Garner one 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 time but this is psych this is a lynching because this is a public display like whenever they're showing these videos that's showing white supremacists like hey they got our backs because I don't really care about nobody going to prison because the system is still going to make sure that I am oppressed that's the reason people are so for defunding the police through a gradual process of reallocating funds lynching and the whole state participated in that propaganda and the media reinforced the reasons that made it legitimate for us to be lynched political leaders were over lynchings KKK also understand the KKK in tandem with the police state it's full of the so period segregation and Jim Crow segregation as in separate but in parentheses still unequal um Jim Crow and I am quoting Wikipedia. Jim Crow laws were state and local laws that enforced racial segregation in the southern United States. Um, all were enacted in the late 19th and early 20th centuries by white Democratic, Democratic dominant, dominated state legislatures to disenfranchise and remove political and, so, and economic gains made by blacks during the reconstruction period so this also a lynching was a part of this and also let's not understand these this 
this timeline as as at each point as being ahistorical because it was continuous. So redlining and blockbusting, redlining specifically happened in Chicago. I actually have a lot of family that moved up to Chicago in the 1930s. Um, but redlining is basically that, you know, you got to go through a realtor or landlord to get a place. Redlines being like, uh-uh, you can't live here. Some sort of mechanism stopping you from living somewhere. So blockbusting is a practice of persuading owners to sell property cheaply because of the fear of people of another class or race, socioeconomic class, moving into the neighborhood and thus profiting by reselling at a higher price. So that also happened in a lot of cities. So this is yet another way that black people were disenfranchised because it caused us to have to live in areas that were less resourced in an area with fewer resources. Um, Civil rights era. Don't need to say too much. Surveillance and assassination. This is going on currently. Suppression and gerrymandering. Voter suppression. Gerrymandering as in drawing political boundaries to influence votes, political outcomes. Let's see, what is the next one? War on drugs. War on people of color. War on BIPOC. Um, the war on drugs. I talked about that earlier in terms of people being locked up for nonviolent possession crimes. Hyper-policing and prison industrial complex. By the way, like you mentioned, like I mentioned, um, two million people in the prison system. Um, ooh, so... Um, This is from the NAACP website. In 2014, African Americans constituted 2.3 million or 34% of the total 6.8 million correctional population. And correctional is more than prisons. Um, Let's see. Effects of incarceration. A criminal record can reduce the likelihood of a callback for a job offer by nearly 50%. Girl. Infectious diseases are highly concentrated in corrections facilities. The United States spent nearly $81 billion on corrections. Spending on prisons and jails has increased at triple the rate of spending on pre-K-12 public education in the last 30 years. And that's what a lot of people were doing activism around in Chicago. Still doing activism around because one day, one year they shut down over 40 schools. But then y'all are building a $95 facility, a police academy facility. Okay, so, okay. Um, live streamed executions this is hella 2020 lord jesus live streamed executions that is a form of digital lynching
So all of what I just talked about basically relates to what Ruby Nail Sales said, uh, mentioned hindsight. So let's move to foresight. Foresight for me is reparations. Let's think about that. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of why I'm, um, I'm getting my MBA right now. And I never really consider myself like a numbers person, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at like quantitative analysis and stuff like that. And so I was like, let me just do this because I'm trying to figure out some 2020 ways for us to, to think about economics in a, in a more cooperative way. I like to call it cooperative economics. Um, if you're interested in any of that, hit me up. If you're trying to have me speak anywhere, let me know. Especially if you're trying to throw some coin my way. Um, but yeah, let's talk about reparations because that is foresight. Because I feel like people are kind of understanding a little bit more about the reason that the reasons that reparations are important for not only um, not only for the progression of black people in the United States specifically, but also. Um, because it's just one small part of the spiritual karma of this country. This country is never going to be successful. It's this this whole motherfucker gonna burn down before all black people cease to exist, and we haven't been um, we haven't been given our 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 compensation. Cause it's a it's a lot of curses on the land of this soil specifically. To be honest, this is a little a segue or a little aside, but Mississippi has so many curses on it. Lord Jesus, it's those like I'm where I'm from. Um, I'm from like the hills, hill country in Mississippi, and there's a lot of um, mounds. They call them Indian mounds, but there's a lot of mounds, and so like they built like bridges through them and they like kind of desecrated a lot of the mounds and stuff and just sometimes the energy in Mississippi is just so heavy and that's kind of why I like living in New Orleans because like the energy is just it's heavy here but it's like the port and like the the history of it is just different I feel like way calmer here um and I know that's why my ancestors like came here from Mississippi um but yeah Mississippi is just so heavy and it's partly because of the the spiritual weight of all the all the things that happened there, um, and the fact that people haven't recognized it. So it's like recognition is important before we move on. Period. So we need to be thinking about reparations as part of that. Um, so, uh, and this is not oppression Olympics in terms of the reason I'm doing these comparisons between different groups in the United States but I just want to give examples of this um, just to give you some context and just to let you know that black people haven't gotten any reparations Um, Native Americans which they still I would debate that this is not even a fraction of what they need back because I think over 80% of Native Americans population was wiped out by the smallpox and just by disease and violence so um shout out to my um native american peoples um also black people are indigenous especially there are black indigenous people to the united states what's up (laughs) um so Native Americans have received land and billions of dollars for various benefits and programs. 
for being forcibly exiled from their native lands. For Japanese Americans, $1.5 billion was paid to those who were interned during World War II. And the internment was, they basically, whenever we were in war with Japan, it was so horrible. They like locked, they went around and just locked Japanese people up. They were like, oh, you Japanese, we gonna lock you up in this internment camp. So they locked them up and that was very traumatic for a lot of Japanese populations in the United States. I think it happened in the California a whole lot. Additionally, the United States, via the Marshall Plan, helped to ensure that Jews received, that Jewish people received reparations for the Holocaust, including making various investments over time. In 1952, West Germany agreed to pay 3.45 billion Duschmarks to Holocaust survivors. That's a lot of money. It's a billion. So black Americans, black Americans are the only group that have not received, that has not received any reparations for state-sanctioned racial discrimination, uh, while enslavement afforded many white families the ability to accrue tremendous wealth. And here in New Orleans, you can still see it. Go drive down St. Charles Street. That money a lot of the labor a lot of black people built that and also understand the university i went to old miss university of mississippi in um ox in oxford mississippi you know i'm a southern intellectual but i went to university of mississippi and i found out my senior year that the building that i my major was in I was in the Croft Institute. That was the chapel for enslaved people. So literally, people, black enslaved people went and prayed in the the building that was now like, you know, a very like elite think tank um, and very like elite program. But it's like, dang, what in the world? So I also wanted to talk a little bit about the monuments and stuff because also, like, I think it's important to understand this whole project of um, white supremacy and Western capitalism is a whole ritual. Um, A whole ritual of channeling spiritual energy and using it a certain way. I mean, it's it's a very interesting metaphor but i have heard that our use of oil is like we're using the blood of the earth but this whole system that is based on sucking the energy away from people for its own benefit for the benefit of a certain people is just very interesting and i think this is this is a system it's important not to to think about people as being shaped by a system that operates on many different levels so It's important to understand that we also, black people, reinforce white supremacy all the time. Think about colorism. But um, these monuments is just interesting, the, the symbolic ways that colonialism, violent, terrorist colonialism, has sought to spiritually break different cultures. If you look around the world, it's always a monument that is on top of a quote-unquote pagan pagan structure. 
So look at, um, I don't even like to say pagan or indigenous. So the place I studied abroad, I, cho- uh, I studied abroad in Cholula, Mexico. And um, it's like an hour from Mexico City. And where I studied, there was a, a church, a Catholic church built on top of what was a pyramid. I think it was a Mayan pyramid. Um, they just built a church on top of that. That's like spiritual terrorism. So it's important to understand how this is a, a whole ritual. And that's also why I urge black people who are listening to get into your spiritual bag you know what i mean this is the time also we have technology there's so many ways that the messages are being amplified i really do think that this is a time whenever there's a lot of downloads happening and there's a lot of upgrades happening with the people who are paying attention if you're having any kind of anxiety you need to chill out and just focus in on your spirituality Focus in on whatever is good for your mental health. If you can get some therapy, get you some therapy. If you get on your meds, do whatever. You know what I mean? Do whatever is going to be good for you. Um, Okay, so I also... Sorry, I just... I went on a total aside. But I also want to get back to the reparations a little bit. Um, So, speaking about um, the reparations... And I am referencing an article from um, brookings.edu on policy um, (coughs) what are some ways um, that reparations can be um, distributed for a history of enslavement and anti-black policies of state-sanctioned violence um terrorism domestic terrorism so these are just some things that they list individual payments for descendants of enslaved black americans so they have um a payment a one-time payment on here they have seventeen thousand, but i feel like it should be more College tuition to four-year and two-year or two-year colleges and universities for descendants of enslaved Americans, um, of enslaved black Americans. And, I mean, I think education should be should just be free, period. But that's one part. Student loan forgiveness for descendants of enslaved black Americans. Period. That's obvious. I mean, I believe in universal income also, universal basic income, UBI, so period. Down payment grants and housing revitalization grants for descendants of enslaved black Americans. I love that. I think that especially any kind of mechanism that can be established to to further the progression exponentially of our the the ways that we missed out on opportunities to build wealth over hundreds of years is very important so grants are very important um because redlining all of that really affected us and i also want to bring up the um i think that he who shall not be named like moved the date but so and so was about to have the um, the first presidential rally of the election of their for their reelection um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on Juneteenth, which is June nineteenth. 
which is the day, the quote-unquote official day um, that the first black Americans were emancipated. And also Tulsa, Oklahoma is the site of one of the like worst massacres of um of black americans this happened in tulsa oklahoma in 1921 this was the dev this is i'm reading this article from jstor which is like an academic journal um academic journal um database tulsa oklahoma in 1921 the devastation of black wall street they called it black wall street because a dollar circulated 36 to 100 times and it was like a town of like over 100,000 people that was pretty like middle upper class um for instance the state of Oklahoma had only two airports yet six black families owned their own planes so 9,000 people okay so it was a modern majestic sophisticated and unapologetically black community boasted that boasted banks, hotels, cafe, cafes, clothing stores, movie theaters, and contemporary homes. So it was black, blickety black, black, black. Can you imagine? And then a white mob went through and burned all of it down in a day. And also, I think this is changing because the mayor of that town is... Um, calling for justice of some sort, but they haven't even allowed the bodies to be exhumed that were in the burnings because after they burned the whole town down, they just dumped all the bodies into a mass grave and people still haven't been able to go back to that mass grave to find out if it's their family members and they haven't been able to give them a proper burial. It's pretty messed up. And so the people of that town, they've been like, nah, you can't do it. Y'all can't dig this up. The police disregarded due process, arresting blacks and interning them in detention camps. Meanwhile, no white people were arrested. Hmm. So that is another example of disenfranchisement. Um... The government and private industry worked in concert to bring down land prices and maintain white dominance in the Tulsa area. Oof, wow. Disenfranchisement, foresight, foresight, reparations. That's the reason we need reparations. So the last one is metasite. <clears throat> And so Metasite is that spiritual site, that site that I was talking about in which um, you understand your struggle within the context of a whole cosmic struggle. This is, this is the cosmic, this is the narrative, the saga of a people who have been affected by one of the worst, uh, most insidious forms of... Um, oppression global oppression that this world has seen yet because i mean historically it was like you know tribe living here tribe living there war blah, blah 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 but this is a whole global system that has taken over a whole planet a whole spaceship and it is using it is a system that is using people 
their labor to feed itself and also destroying the earth. Pretty deep. Sounds like a novel to me. Um. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I also wanted to bring up um, water spirits. So in New Orleans, a lot of people do pray to water spirits, but think about those, you know, whenever you are doing any kind of ritual work or any kind of ancestral veneration, think about the spirits of the Africans who jumped off the ships because they would have rather transcended, not transcended, I don't want to say that because suicide is not anything worth glorifying, but who jumped off because they were like, I, I'm just going to. I need to check out because this is, I can't do this. The ones who died, like they transported the white, white people, the, this because the Spanish, they're considered white too, transported over 10 to 12 million black people. And most of them went to Latin America, most of us. But, um, yeah, just think about that. And so there's a lot of ancestors who did pass away going across that 5,000 miles covering that month-long trip. So here we do do, there's a lot of prayer to water spirits, the spirits of our ancestors. And I think that's kind of like Yemaya if you're in ATR. Okay, and so next I wanted to talk about sustainable activism. Um, this can be for allies or whatever, um, but it's just something very manageable. But I would say sustainable activism, I posted something about this on my Instagram, but um, sustainable activism involves like continually engaging in some kind of like social justice work. And if you're trying to be down for the Black Lives Matters, and if you black, or non-black um think of a list of five things that you can do that are going to create like a real economic impact if reparations aren't here what's some ways that you can contribute to reparations so donate to an organization that maybe support that uh, look it up research and make sure someone else can vouch for the organization but donate to people donate to individual people support black businesses support black people um call people out donate money is very important so sustainable activism is very important for us to think about and also taking take breaks from social media you know what i mean um it's not all going to happen at once but with everyone individually doing their part we can achieve some type of liberation, Lord Jesus. So, okay, so in the next segment, I'm going to do a little bit of Capricorn advice. Um, so a listener called in and, um, well, send an email. I'm saying called in. <laughs> but um, s- submit it on the website. And so if you ever want to submit to Capricorn advice, just go through. Um, the website, the website is on my Instagram, Millennial Soul Food. 
M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L-S-O-U-L-F-O-O-D. I hope I spelled And then my website is millennialsoulfood.wixsite slash MSF888. So, um, and then you scroll down and you can submit to Capricorn Advice. So I'm just going to pull some cards for this listener. just resonate on on multiple levels like whenever i be doing readings readings i be getting messages like and i'm like oh my god i never thought about this before before so yeah if you're listening this message might resonate with you and so this person (laughs) felicia um is interested and learning about um, spirituality. So, so her question is, about my spirituality, I feel like I'm being drawn to becoming a healer. I feel like I'm making connections with my ancestors. What steps should I take to make that connection stronger? So I'm gonna take a few breaths in and out. Shuffling the cards. Seeing what messages are coming through for Felicia. Drawing three cards. Ooh. Okay, so um, first we got the Four of Cups. And so the Four of Cups... This image, if you, I'm using the Rider Waite card deck um, because this is traditional. I love this deck. Um, I'm kind of a, an occult girl. It's easy for me to read the symbols in it. So this is the Cups card, and Cups represents water, and water represents social contact, social interaction, relationships, and this person is being offered a cup, but the person has their arms crossed, and they're just kind of like, meh. So this can be uh, mean like being over maybe like the status quo of um, social interaction or feeling like it can be kind of repetitive and you're just kind of like over it a little bit. You also got five of wands. So the five of wands, this wands is a fire element card and it represents um, work energy. I always think about work, but energy that you're putting in to accomplish a certain goal. And so the five of wands can indicate um, group conflict, group conflict. So in my questioning, kind of my challenge to you is to understand how can you, what lessons can you learn from this social jadedness? It appears that that's the kind of the energy of this, these two cards here that I'm getting. What is the, um, what are some ways that that has occurred and also, um, what are some messages that your ancestors could be telling you? Maybe that you, it's time for you to switch up your social environment because, I mean, a lot of times they say that you are the six people that you interact with most in life. And so what are some things that are inf- influencing you? Is it, it might be work. And so you might need to lean in on the strength of the ancestors and get up in your root work. 
But, um, yeah, group conflict. And then Ace of Swords. Swords represents men, um, cerebral activity, mental clarity. Sometimes, sometimes it can be tra- kind of traumatic. But um, this, in particular, in this instance, this is Ace of Swords. And the Ace of Swords represents just, I think, of an epiphany. And so... I think you need to start doing following the ritual. Uh, Juju Bay has a lot of stuff on her podcast. I always I'm I stand Juju Bay because um she was like one of my first podcasts like interviews besides the word which the dot word dot which um Juju Bay Black Lives Matters for real she down as hell but um yeah I think. I, she has yeah she has like a lot of great episodes um i think the first one is like ancestors period go check that out get into your ancestor reverence and just look for the signs you know what i mean um how can you make contact the first way to make contact is of course an altar or establishing some type of ritual for me i i have like a little altar for um my grandmother who recently passed away in the past year um, but also I go to city park a lot here in New Orleans. So communing with nature is also a way that I commune with my ancestors because the trees are your ancestors too, baby. So, <laughs> so like, um, going out into nature, finding those ways that you can really tune into the messages that your unique spirit guide or guides are trying to like kind of, um, send to you. And I mean, I think everybody, I think especially with the Pluto and Scorpio generation um, and later, because I think, I don't know what, I think, I don't know when Pluto goes in the um, Sagittarius, but Pluto and Scorpio generation and the younger generations are definitely, there's a lot of healer energy because all these ancestors are coming back and they like, okay, we about to tune it up. We about to tune it up. So I think a lot of people, I love that so many people are being drawn to the healing arts because, you know, it's necessary, but it's not an easy path. You know what I mean? Like, I think of myself, sometimes I'd be thinking of myself as a Naomi Campbell, the spiritual workers, because I'm like, you know, tall, dark skinned and beautiful, but... A hothead. So you know, I I claim my I claim my human traits. I don't claim to be all like holier than thou, because I am straight up Marlboro and Colt Fortify when it come to it. But yeah, that was a little bit of Capricorn advice. So I also let me just draw a card for or two for the collective. Let's see what, what kind of messages come through for the collective. So if you listen to this, this is a little message for you from the collective. Getting to draw this one here. And this one here. Oh! All right, so we got the Wheel of Fortune. The two of wands and the knight of swords so the wheel of fortune is kind of just like that chance card literally we are rolling on a river i'm kidding we are rolling on the wheel of fortune like 
the universe is kind of at this point, it's just kind of like it can go either way. But we do have the support of the angels. The archangels appear in the Rider Waite deck, so they're in the four corners. We do have the support of the archangels, but realize we are living in a chaotic matrix environment. But understand that we have people who are connected to the architects who can influence and help us out when in our time of need and so this is the next card two of wands is about collaboration and i think of collaboration with the higher spiritual realms if we in the per this person and the two of wands is holding the world and so i think of this also as kind of like being in partnership with them for the global consciousness to raise the global consciousness and to have that meta site that um rubenale sales mentioned hallelujah knight of swords knight of swords this is a buck wild card buck card um so the swords represents mental activity Night, a lot of times in the decks, is kind of like a maturing personality. In this phase, in this case, the horse is looking back at this dude, like, Where are you? We going? And he's like, Charge forth. This is passion. This is a very passionate card. Passion about a certain idea, philosophy, ideology. But be careful not to be too impulsive. So be strategic about your plan. And I think of that also with the Two of Wands. It's like, this person is being very strategic, but with the Wheel of Fortune, we see it's through the consultation of the higher, of the higher um, archangels. So, be careful. Um, all right, well, that comes to the end of the episode. This was great. I hope that you enjoyed it. Please share this episode. Find me on instagram at millennial soul food m-i-l-l-e-n-n-i-a-l-s-o-u-l-f-o-o-d um also my website is millennial soul food dot wixsite dot com slash msf 888 um yeah all black lives matter and we are in the resistance to abolish state-sanctioned violence against all groups who have been historically targeted so remember remember cooperative economics sustainable activism all lives matter so yes i'm sending you love and blessings for your week and thank you for listening